Good morning, everyone, Central Time Zone and Pacific, and good evening, England. Uh, this is a, a, the first time I've ever done uh, an interview with Phil Damaris in person, a live interview. Uh, I interviewed Phil, it's three and a half years ago now, for the first time. I went back to watch that, uh, a portion of that live stream, which I did in my living room in Montreal with short hair, those awful glasses. It's cringe to the point of cringe watching it, but uh, one has to look uh, to where one came from in order to appreciate where one is and where one wants to go. There's been a slight evolution, both in you know demeanor, physique, and setting. Uh, but watching that interview for the first time was when I discovered Phil Demers, uh, known as the Walrus, the Walrus Whisperer. I'm going to put the hard H's on. I like the I like the, I like the, the, the emphasis that. Uh, if you don't know who Phil is, go back and watch that. Uh, stream because it's two hours of Phil's lawfare with Marineland. We're going to go over a bit of your history just you know briefly for 10-15 minutes for those who don't know it and then we're going to get into the present. Um, but Phil is coming through Florida for reasons which he's going to explain and uh, we're going to talk about a little bit of everything today but Phil good to see you again in person. Good to see you Viva. I gotta say it's been a pleasure watching your evolution as well of course because I've been in your kitchen Beautiful place, by the way. You made the excellent bagels, and we had, a, we had quite a time. And uh, then to see the studio now, dude, I'm just like, I'm still floored. I'm like a little nervous, even intimidated here. Look at this place. This isn't my studio. I well, just, like, we can come here and do it whenever, but, uh, and you call it an evolution. I am sure there are people out there who call it a regression because they say, Viva, what happened to you? You've gone totally crazy, become all right. But Phil, I mean, um, okay, look, let's, we can't take for granted everybody watching has seen our previous streams, although I think many of them have 30,000 foot overview. Who are you? I used to work at a place called Marine Line in Canada. Uh, I was a marine mammal trainer. I swam with whales, dolphins, seals, sea lions, belugas. I was there 12 years between uh, uh, 2000 and 2012. In 2012, I quit. I became a whistleblower of animal cruelty. I raised issues with their treatment of animals. Uh, in response, Marineland elected to sue me for $1.5 million for plotting to steal a walrus. Uh, short backstory with that, there was a walrus while I was working that uh, I imprinted on. So what that means is she came to see me as, as her mother. Uh, you know, it got a little bit of media attention. We were you know, Back in 2008, we were what viral was back then. So inside edition, a uh, couple interviews, this, that, fluff pieces. Uh, but when I quit... I think, uh, you know, Marine Lad had took issue with some of the things I was bringing up. Of course, I provided some evidence and some you know, video, of course. And so they sued me. And here we are 10 years later, because uh, by the grace of a lot of luck and, uh, and, and a lot of support, I managed to sustain a 10-year legal battle of which when we finally did settle, um, Marine Lad conceded to move my walrus, Smooshy, and her now calf, Koyuk, which are the last two uh, walruses at Marineland. And so they have until my birthday, March 21, of, so next month, to move uh, the two walruses to an AZA accredited facility here in the States. AZA stands for uh, American, American Zoo, Zoo Yeah, okay. exactly. So, yes. Something along those <laughs> so, yeah. lines. And, uh, and, and here we are. Okay, so let, let's unpack that just a bit because the imprinting... We talked about it, but it's very cool. Basically, like a duck, first thing it sees, it thinks it's its mother. Whether or not it's the same, that's basically the it idea. Is the same. Smushy viewed you as her mother. Yeah. You had a relationship, a singularly unique relationship with um, a higher form primate, well, not a primate, a mammal, mm -hmm. animal. Yeah, so what was anomalous about this particular situation is she came to us wild caught at 18 months of age. 
And through a sort of traumatic incident, so what, what happens, we're drawing blood from another walrus and that required us to like, you know, wrestle, a, and it's a smaller walrus at the time, she was only 200 pounds, but we were wrestling another walrus to draw blood from, uh, from her and Smooshy was becoming defensive of that, of that walrus and trying to protect her. So I tried to coerce Smooshy away from the scene um, and in doing so, I remember the moment she, she took a deep breath and I saw something in her eyes flash and in that moment, she started to follow me absolutely everywhere. So what's anomalous is generally, you know, in, in herd animals especially, uh, it's really important. So you've got walruses, let's say thousands of them on a beach. You know, mom has to be able to communicate with its pup. So, you know, they basically the imprint is like a tattoo on your brain. So she recognizes my smell, my, you know, my, my, the sound of my voice, the vision, all of this. So it was an immediate change. It was the craziest thing you'd ever seen. So, yeah, it was very, it created, it changed my life entirely, that, that singular moment. I was suddenly a, a walrus mom. And, and I mean, it, people might be able to appreciate this if they've ever had a dog, the relationship that you have with an animal, a smart animal. It's not a human. And in some ways, the relationships are even better because they don't talk back. They don't hurt you and all that stuff. You develop this relationship with a walrus, um, a relationship with a, a, an animal that is has a has a personality you've bonded with for the last decade. You've been separated from because uh, when you quit uh, Marineland. You then outed, I mean, we don't need to get into the whole details of the timeline, but you outed the mistreatment of some of the animals at Marineland. Uh, I know, as a matter of fact, that the administration, I forget, you know, the, the, the now deceased owner's name, they were litigious to say the least. <laughs> I knew this in advance. Well, I was, I was well aware, yeah. So uh, you, have this, you have this imprint with the walrus. You quit. Blow the whistle on the mistreatment, not just of the walrus in general, uh, in specific, but treatment at large. And then you immediately get sued? No. So basically what happened is in the last, so the season prior to the one that I'd quit, uh, there was a breakdown of water disinfection unit. So the water went green. It was foul. But because Marineland operates six months on, six, six months off during the winter, the owner just elected not to really address the issue and rather you know, put a lot more chlorine in the water. So you would probably appreciate that if you've ever been in a hyperchlorinated pool, what the effects are. We'll try to imagine living in those conditions. So you know the effects that, that I documented range from like, I mean, we had a sea lion in agony bark. And because his eyes had been deteriorated so badly from the chlorine, the lens of his eyeball popped out and landed at my foot. You know, we had dolphins that their skin was was peeling off. The, the you know, Smooshy had a chemical burn on her flipper. It was it was the the most egregious version of senseless abuse that I had witnessed in my 10 years. It was never a great place, but this was like uniquely a really bad situation. And so right in advance of them um, opening the season, I quit. I said, I can't, I'm, I can't keep doing this. It's just, and you know, I, I had to fight myself. Dude. I'd become like a, I'd become a vocal opposition in-house. I'd sort of started to be recognized as a uh, problem employee a little bit, as you can imagine, but I'd become hyper-defensive of my walrus suddenly. It, was, it just became, it changed the game a little bit. Um... I was going to say, actually, you were just about to say my baby. I, 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 I saw the mouth. You start. This is, it's beyond a, it's so, beyond a pet. And this is what I was going to actually touch on when you'd mentioned, you know, people who have dogs might be able to relate to this, but it that doesn't do it justice because it, it isn't that. Because a dog can bond with someone else. You know, a, a, a dog will, it, that's an acclimation. You know, and then it's to an extent uh, close, but this is an animal that we established the communication Unlike, I mean, it, it, she has my sense of humor. She understands my sense of humor. So it's to try to explain the depths of the communication, what I've come to learn through this relationship. Well, I mean, largely it's, it explains to the extent that I 
fought for her, just the depth of which this had affected me. But, you know, I don't have children. This felt as though in an odd, strange way that I'd, I'd had, I had, I felt like a protective mother. I don't know how else to explain it. it, it it's tough to rationalize now in retrospect, you're 10 years removed and you're just like, what the hell did I just go through? Like, it's almost kind of difficult to process even now you're kind of like wait a sec because it's sort of coming to a conclusion well it's coming to a next chapter but um yeah that's the best way i can describe it for me personally is i have uh i'm very protective i'm protective of my family naturally but i i became ultra protective of her and you know it deemed me a bit of a problem child or a rather problem employee and so um i just elected you know am, am i part of the problem now by not doing more am I, is she gonna die and i'm gonna be quiet about it or am i gonna do something and conceivably save her and every other walrus died, as I predicted. Smooshy lived, which in and of itself is an anomalous story because under those conditions she should not have. But I truly believe because she was in a captive environment that she believed was sort of natural in that she had sort of bonded with her new mother there. So now she doesn't have that, uh, that disassociation or that, um, that separation anxiety anymore that animals get. And as soon as you take an animal from the wild, they're immediately compromised. You've taken them from their family. You've taken them from their space. You don't ever really get a bond. They basically accept their fate and pl try to play the game as best they can in accordance to your rules. But, uh, you know, this was an entirely different thing. So you quit. Um, you didn't sue. You didn't blow the whistle right away. I, I, from no, what I recall, no. you had uh, an arrangement like, mm -hmm. let me come in and see mm -hmm. her, make sure everything's okay. How does it get to blowing the whistle? And then we're going we're gonna to skip over the 10 years of litigation to get to the resolution. But how did it come to be that you blew the whistle and then got sued? So I blow the whistle, but I don't quit. No, sorry. Rather, I quit, but I don't quit without the agreement that I can still continue to help A, the animals, because, you know, the, the reality was there was not a lot of experience remaining when I'd quit. A lot of people had left in advance or during this. I wasn't sort of the only one. People, no one really stays at this job for very long. Once you're 30, you're like, well, what am I doing here, right? Um, so uh, I quit, but, you know, I'm, I don't want to be in the media. I don't want to be doing this stuff. I don't want to get sued. And I know that's what would become. So I make the deal. Listen, if Smooshy needs me, you call me. Well, about a week after I quit, they call me in to feed a dolphin because, uh, you know, she stopped eating and this and that. So I helped the dolphin out and I see Smooshy and, uh, you know, Smooshy had suffered from separation, separation anxiety for me in a, before. So I addressed it. I had the trainer sort of working out so I can sort of mitigate if ever I, I did leave that she could be okay. And so I thought that we were in a good place. And so then I'd left for about a month and I hadn't returned. It was the longest I'd been away from her. And so I returned to the park. And as I'm going, as I'm entering the park, um, you know, the, the security's trying to keep me out and I can't figure this out. And in a chance meeting, a, uh, the owner's son puts his arm around. He's like, Phil, you like family help. And he escorts me into the park. And now I go straight to Smooshy. As I'm going to the back of the park, the vet like intercepts me. And she's like, listen, you're not going to like what you see, but we weren't allowed to tell you. And I'm like, let's go. So I'm prepping for the worst. And sure shit, as soon as I get there. You know, she's dry, lethargic. There's no food on her deck. There's no water. There's no ice. She's lost some weight. So, of course, she recognizes me. Gets up. Vet runs, gets meds. gets We pump uh, water into fish, get her some hydration, put some ice on her deck, give her some water, do all this stuff. And I'm sort of disillusioned. I leave. And, uh, you know, I sleep on it that night. Let me stop you for a second. Do you know why she's malnourished, uh, not being fed? Do you know why this is going on? Is there an incident or is it just... So I can't say for sure. I wasn't there for the lot for the month. It was really, it was a, it was a brief trip. I'd gone in, seen this left. And I was just, so I, I don't know. There wasn't a lot of communication in advance of it, but something had happened clearly. Also, there was a level of uh, just less attention as well. Like this was an animal that I, I particularly paid a lot of attention to, for instance. So that change may, it may have been something for her. Um, but nonetheless, this is what became. And so 
I should mention that when I quit, the media was calling me. The Toronto Star was calling me and they wanted to know why the walrus guy had quit. Because, you know, years before, there was fluff piece and everything else. And I had actually said I would never quit, right? Well, actually, let's stop there. Year, a year before, two years before, you won Wipeout as the Wipeout. If I, I mean, it was an American show, so I think mm -hmm. Americans probably know it. Wipeout that, that... It's having a resurgence as we speak, actually. I, I, I love the show. Yeah, it's fun. Um, but Phil won as known as the walrus whisperer. I don't remember when it was exactly, but it was when you were the employee. It was, it was like... Mm -hmm. A marketing piece for Marineland, of course, and you make it onto Wipeout, which is itself, you know, not easy to do, and you win. Well, when you're a walrus mom, it's easy to get on Wipeout. <laughs> Let's be honest; it wasn't. It was. It was. That was a. That was an easy one to get on. So, and, and you actually won it. You won. What was it? Fifty thousand. Fifty. Tax free. 50, tax free in Canada. That's shocking that there's anything tax free in Canada. But hey, I'll take any it. income that's hey, tax free. Listen, I needed every penny that I got. So basically, my resolve after that was. Suddenly, I've got this money, but the reason I was on the show was because of the walrus. It had very little to do with me, let's be honest. Um, I, what was I going to do with 50000 bucks? A lot of people might rationalize, hey, 50000 is a lot of money. No, it's not. It might buy you a truck. It might put you a down payment on a house, but it, there's not a whole heck of a lot you can do. So I, I elected to hold on to it for a rainy day, and that rainy day came in the form of being sued by Marineland, and suddenly I had $50,000, and I started retaining lawyers because I wasn't the only one sued. There was a few whistleblowers. So I started paying all the lawsuits, and I, at the time, I was ignorant to know the extent of what yeah but it did buy me enough time to get my story out and you know by virtue of the lawsuit you gotta remember Marineland sued me for 1.5 million dollars for plotting to steal a walrus so you know this suddenly this gets the, the attention of the likes of like Joe Rogan and you know now that that became the game changer their first mistake was was suing me the, the biggest mistake uh is suggesting I tried to steal a walrus. It was, I mean, Life is short. Steal a walrus. Well, that was, the, was, that, was that a tweet? That, that was a tweet that eventually I did and then they sent the cops to my house. And, and well, you know, it, it actually, because there's a documentary that's out and I, I'll mention it's uh, The Walrus and the Whistleblower. It's on Discovery Plus. It's on uh, Amazon walrus Prime. Walrus and the Whistleblower. Indeed. Sorry, and the, the Walrus and the, the Whistleblower. The Walrus and the Whistleblower. <laughs> on Amazon Plus. Uh, the, uh, who, who made it again? That's the, that's the person I met back in my uh, show, Nathalie right? Bibo, right? Nathalie that's the Bibo. Yeah, that's the director. And uh, in, of course, that that video makes the clip when the cops come because of my tweets actually in <laughs> the highlight of the doc of the documentary. Um, but again, every time Marineland would, this, the blessings I had is that they kept making the most inordinate mistakes. And you know, there's a saying when your enemies are making mistakes, you let them, right? I capitalized every time. Like when I did that tweet, I saw the attention it got. I had a sense Marineland was probably gonna send the cops to my house <laughs> because they, they did very often send the police to my house. It wasn't the only time. I mean, one time I had tweeted like I'm coming from Marineland. Uh, I think I'd said, uh, I think it said, stay tuned. They sent the police and the police came to my house. <laughs> it's a great video. It's actually, uh, they said, you're the walrus whisperer. I'm like, they says, I'm like, what are you doing here? They're like, you said something on, and I'm like, well, what did I say? They said, you said TikTok, TikTok. I'm like, no, I didn't. They said, but they said, but you are the walrus whisperer. And dude, I'm, I suddenly, I'm buckled well, over laughing my ass. I got the cops in my house <laughs> wanting to know if I'm the walrus whisperer. And did I tweet TikTok, TikTok? So this is what became of my life. So I got a sense that they're going to send the cops. And then, you know, so I set my camera up. But this is just what became. The, the, the battle itself was winnable because Marine Line was just such an awful, awful uh, uh, battler. They sued a number of people. They mm -hmm. sued you. They sued your girlfriend. Mm -hmm. Um we don't need to get into the 10 years of litigation. We talked about it in the it, just mm -hmm. 10 years of litigation for anybody who doesn't know what lawfare is like. It's motion after motion, refusal to submit to discovery, uh, depositions. Then they, it's they, not even showing up for dates and just allowing to, to get in trouble for it and just have it remanded for another six months. They just didn't care. And then when it comes to the depositions, we, we won't give you the person you want to depose, yada, yada, yada. Motion after motion after motion. You're fighting over dotted uh, I's and cross T's. Literally, you're, you're, you're arguing over one word in, a, in an entire text. It is that refined of an awful journey.
10 years of litigation, it ultimately comes to an end. Um, I mean, the idea that you didn't get a, a trial date after 10 years. Oh, no, no, we got the trial date. Okay. They, they, they dropped out right in advance of the trial. I wanted the trial. Why did they drop out in advance of the trial? Was it, I, they had no evidence. They had the most absurd lawsuit. They had no witnesses. They had no. They had no evidence. They had literally nothing. What they had was an abusive lawsuit, a slap lawsuit, a strategic lawsuit against public participation. They just wanted to prove me to be an incredible person, like discredit me and make me seem like a psycho. And that for some reason, their buffoon lawyer named Andrew Burns out of Toronto uh, thought it would make sense to suggest you know some uh, some outrageous things about me, but. Um, right. It was a, it was a lawsuit intended to either bankrupt you or coerce you into bankrupt a, in a, a silence, a, a silent settlement. They very often tried to have me sign an NDA throughout the entirety of the process. So they ultimately dropped the lawsuit. As you're aware, when you drop a lawsuit, you become uh, subject to the costs, of course. So well, you had did you have a counterclaim at the I had time a, they dropped the lawsuit? Well, and then what becomes is that counterclaim gets dropped automatically, and then you've got 30 days to actually sort of revive it, if you will, to, to pursue it. In discussions with my lawyer, he said, "Listen." You'll be basically suing for your damages. That's which all be, you which can would be. Legal fees, legal fees, and court. Man, probably not even court fees. I think you'd probably lose all that. We estimated to have costs. I remember right because I paid for three lawsuits. It's I, you know, it, the, the entirety of this thing has cost about half a million over the ten years. But my my lawsuit is in the range of about two hundred fifty thousand. So this is what they were ultimately gonna probably have to pay me somewhere in that range. And so when they dropped the lawsuit, I said, "Well, you can keep the money, but I want the fucking walruses." So this is to say. And everybody knows this. Court costs, legal fees are two separate things, mm. like administrative costs, stenographers, depositions, etc., versus your actual lawyer fees. In Quebec, to get lawyer fees, you have to prove like abusive process, unless there's some legislative provision that allows for it. In Ontario, it's a little different, but I, I'm not totally familiar with that. Um, just so everybody knows, so a quarter of a million dollars in legal fees. Does that in, and then that includes court costs, uh, bailiffs? No, that's my that's my lawyer's. Okay. That's directly billed to my from my lawyer. That would that's what he would be submitting the two hundred fifty so in legal. There's so it'd been more them, than that costs. Okay, give or take a quarter of a million bucks. You say to them, I'm not going to pursue my counterclaim. Yep. Just release, uh, organize for the release of Smushy the Walrus, like I've been asking you for a decade. Smushy and her her son because. You know, she had a baby while I was gone. How does she? How does a how does a captive walrus have a baby? Well, generally they don't. It's a very uh, rare thing. But uh, I have my suspicions on how this became uh, she, deliberate or accidental. Deliberate and synthetic, and you know, I don't okay. think it came naturally. Uh, I know it's don't, they don't they don't do it like that. Well, but but you know, <laughs> but they but they need a very specific environmental conditions, certain UV lighting, everything. They're living in a warehouse. It's just not conducive to a, to to a successful uh, birth. And and walruses really, it's a sensitive. Uh, it's a sensitive thing. It's really difficult to, to breed them. So, but there is a facility uh, in Belgium that very successfully does that. They had trainers come down and they were there because Marine, because just in advance, literally in advance of the COVID shutdown, Smooshy was being shipped out to be, at, I think it was either Belgium or Germany, but it's one of these two facilities that she was going to. And those trainers had come down. So the reason that she had first, the, the, she was rejected from being shipped was, and I got a, a, a DM and my Twitter at, at random anonymous one saying, Hey, your friends at the, at the CFA, the Canadian food inspection agency, um, just rejected a walrus transfer because the walrus is pregnant. So that was the first one they tried two days later. So the first day they tried was on my birthday. The second day was, uh, March 23rd. They tried to ship her and then they, they couldn't get her out again. So suddenly she was back to living at, at Marineland. And then went through, through much of the process of our negotiations, uh, I was trying to get her to go to a very specific facility. But the difficulty in trying to go to a specific facility is you're having to involve a third party. So it's it's very difficult. So I managed in the uh, in the settlement to get 
her moved to an AZA accredited facility. So there's five in the U.S. that hold walruses. And I got a, I insisted on a re, uh, to see her. So I was allowed to enter the park and visit her one time. Let me do one thing though. So you think that she got pregnant? They deliberately synthetically. Did I think the they brought the trainers that, down. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they would do that Be, because they were she they were going to that facility anyways, right? So um, the they go to those facilities generally. They're breed they're walrus breeders. So. Um, yeah, there was some, some intention. I hate to talk about how dark this might be, but Marineland emphatically wanted to break our bond. They did everything they could through egregious uh, levels of abuse, and which included the pregnancy. It's interesting. And the idea would be to break the bond that she had with you, have her own kid that she imprints on the kid or the kid imprints on her, and then she's separate, separated from you. And what I have to say about that is, oddly, in, in as much as it's an awful thing, it's actually really good as well because... You know, now she right now she was separated immediately at birth from the baby because for, for performance reasons, so that so that the walrus can continue to perform and, and whatnot. And so then they've not actually lived together, and that's a great source of stress for her. Uh, now she's gonna actually live with a with her son, and she should have that bond. It's unnatural for me to have that bond. So I feel actually better now that she can have a more regular bond and be a more natural walrus, being a mother of a walrus versus the daughter of a dude <laughs> like you know so um you know i think there's a there's a half benefit to it well we'll see what becomes once this move finally takes place all right and i'm just going to go look at the chat if anybody heard a slight noise there's some drilling i don't know if anyone thinks it's not a glitch and it seems to have stopped if anyone heard that noise um okay so that's that's a very sinister uh potential reason for which which it does make a little bit of sense although sinister and maybe beneficial although breeding the animal another animal into captivity uh, when what you're fighting is this this animal in captivity mm -hmm. is perpetuating the cycle. Uh, so you, as part of your settlement, you say, look, drop the money. You will never be able to write me financially but by putting Smushi and her calf or her her, her baby yep. in an AZ. Is, is Marineland not accredited? They were CASA, uh, so Canadian okay. Association of Zoos, but no longer. CASA uh, <laughs> dropped them. Marineland threatened to sue them if they if they didn't accredit them or rather that what they said was they controlled the message the messaging and said they elected not to rejoin Kaza because they were going to be in uh they're going to do some development at the park and they tried to make some excuse yep. of it but basically Kaza dropped them said yeah not no more no okay uh, and then what so as part of the settlement it's let me have my moment of reunification mm -hmm. with my smushy a couple of reasons. A couple yeah. of reasons why a I want to make a, a health assessment for myself. I don't trust Marineland. I don't. I want to know whether she's healthy enough to be moved. It might not be exactly the best in this immediate moment. So I wanted to make the assessment myself, and of course I wanted my chance to see her again. How'd that go? I know how it went, but I'm going to ask so you can tell the world. How did your reunification go? This this culmination of uh, we're going to get on because you you made this public. I mean, you can't make it more public than going on Rogan to talk about this. This is you know international news. You've made it a big story. This is supposed to be the happy ending. Mm -hmm. Although I, 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 I'm blackpilled a little bit. I don't think you can have a happy ending to a stolen decade. But how did this, how did this meeting go? <laughs> well, it's, so I walk in with some swagger. I'm like Conor McGregor walking into that place. Never mind. And maybe that wasn't, it wasn't maybe to my benefit, but um, tense, of course. But it wasn't what I ultimately what was promised to me. They, they compromised it grossly. They kept us far too distant from each other than what was supposed to be. Uh, as soon as she recognized me and tried to make her way over to me, they pulled her away. So they compromised it. I've been, I've been talking to my lawyer now for basically five months because we got to file a motion because, you know, they got to make this right. And uh, the problem is the, the courts at this point are so backed up and she needs to move in the next three weeks. So we're in a really complicated situation now. So the next three weeks are going to be very interesting. Next three weeks, she's supposed to be moved That's with right. her calf. To the U.S. somewhere. The calf is no longer a calf. The calf is a... Four or five-year-old. Okay. Four-year-old. 
Um, and it's, it's just it's just terrible. Like the culmination was supposed to be that that are you would it be safe just to run up and hug her? Yeah, uh, for me. Yeah, uh, they won't say so. But yeah, of course. For me? No. <laughs> no, you know, and, and it, because she was so protective of me, one of the one of the situations that did uh, happen is she, you know, it, eventually I managed to curb it to a, a sort of humorous thing, and I, and she started to to understand the to appreciate the comedy of it. But you know, if you got too close to me and she was there, she'd always get between us. And if you got really too close to me, she'd bump you out of the way. She was very protective of me. All right, so that that's the state of the lawsuit, or the 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 lawsuit, the settlement. It's she's supposed to go to. Uh, did you mention the facility? Do you know? I can tell you where I hope she's going, but I, actually, I'm not going to. There's okay. only five facilities. There's two Sea Worlds. There's a uh, Indianapolis Zoo. There's a, a there's a facility called. Um, uh, it's in Tacoma, Washington. It's uh, clearly not that one. She's going to. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm... Point to find Zoo. It's called. And then there's a fifth. I I, I don't want to. I don't know exactly. And I'm I not trying remember. to get you into trouble. I don't want. I don't want to. Okay, if you're not allowed to say, it doesn't matter. No, it's not a question. I'm not allowed. I don't know. I don't know where she's going. They won't tell me. In fact, I contacted my lawyer last week and said, "Why don't we just in advance say to them?" And there's no harm. Say where is she going? Because we're just going to file the motion now, knowing they're probably going to screw that too. So you're going to find out within the next three weeks if the settlement portion of the settlement uh, is going to be carried through to fruition um and i presume until then it's not a sort of democles it's this anxiety this this you know stomach in knots will not be unknotted until you see her in her new home this war doesn't stop until she's moved and it's said and done and then at that point the war doesn't stop frankly um i've got other gears left but uh i should mention right now i am starting to believe that there's a possibility that they just won't move her and if I were to rationalize that, it would be because this isn't about money. This is about avoiding a trial. And for me to try to actually get the trial to go again as a sort of, um, as a, uh, as a relief is a lot more complicated than just going for a costs motion. So if they just elect not to move her, I don't know exactly what it is that I can do. It might, might be just to the extent of getting my money and, and basically it. I don't know yet, but I'm getting suspicions that they may compromise this. Okay, I'll, I'll cross my fingers, except to say that if there's a signed settlement and there's a default on the settlement, there's there are motions to file, a motion to enforce a settlement. Uh, fingers crossed, we'll know with money and time, yeah. isn't it? We've we've got an animal who's also lived a lot longer than any other walrus at, at Marineland. So every day that this thing gets prolonged, you know, it's the, the, ultimately the risk is that she dies, and this is what they're risking, which is crazy to me because if she dies, how can they possibly? Uh, settle with me. So they've actually, to, to have taken this whole six months has been a great risk because the settlement, you know, it says Koyuk and Smoosh have to be moved to an AZA facility. If she's dead, they can't possibly actually fulfill the settlement. So why they didn't move her already is, is quite baffling. Well, see if anybody's, see if anybody on their end is listening and, and making it happen. What The deadline is your birthday, 2023. What's your birthday again? March 21. March 20. The I, no, what's the, March 15th is the Ides of March. Uh, beware. <laughs> okay. We'll see. So we'll be in touch. And, and of course. just so everybody, you'll mention it again at the end, but where can everyone follow you to see how this chapter of your life ends? Twitter, Walrus Whisper, Instagram, Walrus Whisper, uh, TikTok, Urgent Seas, which we have to get into. That's yep. the next chapter of, uh, of my endeavors. Um, and uh, don't, don't, don't look for me on Facebook. <laughs> Walrus Whisper. Although there is an Urgent Seas on, on Facebook as well. There is a group there too. Oh, I get it. Urgent Seas. It's Urgent Seas, one word with S-E-A-S on the end. Urgent seas. Urgent. Urgent seas. Urgent seas. And I presume that it's not Walrus Whisperer 76 because there were not 75 other Walrus no, Whisperers. No, no, no. I, I get lucky. I always get the first one. Okay, so that's that's chapter one, people. That's um, how long how long do we do with that? That's not so bad. Yeah, 25 minutes on chapter one. 
Uh, and it's an amazing chapter. People should understand the lawfare about this, and they should understand the hell that you've gone through. For me to know, and I, I know we mentioned it the first time, but like if someone had my dog, and they're like, I'm not giving you your dog back, sue me. Uh, what if they were compromising that dog? Like it, it would be a consciously source. compromising it at the time as well. You'd be, and you'd be, be able to witness it. It would be a source of rage that might drive a person to do bad things. And so, touch wood, you haven't done it. Yes, touch wood. Well, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very lucky. Oh, no, we're in trouble. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm very lucky to be to, to be surrounded by very supportive people and, and people that keep me in check. I'm literally in check. <laughs> so, For those who can't see, there's a mild. It's not a posse. It's a posse. It's a. It's a posse. It's sure. Not a good group, and we just had breakfast before the show, and it's fantastic. And we talked about a lot of things, which I said, remind me if I don't get to them. Um, before we even get into the next chapter, an interesting thing. What do you do for, I mean, you've, you've crowdfunded for, for the legal fees because I know what you do. Tell the world what you do. You, you know, it's, it's not everybody wants to spend their entire salary on legal fees, but what do you do? Because it's, it's so, interesting also. Well, I, I had, when I quit Marineland, I, uh, I, I hadn't, I didn't know what the hell I was going to do. What the hell is a walrus trainer wound up doing or someone to swim with Orca? What do you end up doing? So I didn't want to work at a gas station. So I actually got lucky and I, I picked up a trade. I sort of worked with this neighbor and he taught me this thing. Now, I stole his business, even if only briefly, but why would I want to make 25 bucks an hour when I can make a thousand bucks a day? And so I had a business for a couple of uh, summers. It was a concrete construction business. Did okay, but I had a lower back issue suddenly real quick. And, uh, you know, I live in a house and in the basement, there's these, I, I have uh, units that I rented out. So, so, you know, subsidize my, my costs. Well, I elected to change one into a short-term cottage rental, which does quite well for me being in Niagara Falls. Uh, you know, I live in a little waterfront property very close to, to Niagara Falls. So, so that does quite well for me in the summer. And then I have a part-time casual job, which still is a lot of work, being a Canada Post mail carrier. So I'm every day walking 18 kilometers out there, delivering the mail, delivering the good and bad news, baby. Uh, so you walk, you, you average 18 kilometers a day whenever you go? Out? Yeah, the routes are between like 17 and 22 kilometers a day. Amazing. It's crazy, man. What, I always say like, if I had a job, I, I used to, I mean, I worked selling shoes at sports expert i worked at a, a camp shop a bike shop i like that stuff mm. but to have a job where you could spend the entire day like listening to books listening to podcasts is that what you did while you were it straightened my head out i got uh, i got mentally a lot healthier my lower back got stronger uh, uh my mental health i can't i don't even know how to stress how, how much healthier i became just by virtue of walking and having that time it's just there's something about it that changes the voice in your head that that otherwise doubtful and challenging to coming up with solutions i discovered running suddenly i i just I, you know i become a little bit more endeavorous in 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 in, in health and, and and exercise and I love it. And the other thing about it that I have to mention is I'm a casual, so I'm, I'm not actually full-time. I, I could have been a long time ago, but I don't like the idea of committing to anything generally in life. So, but the flexibility that, that work at Canada Post gives me is that I work when I want without a real opportunity for reprieve. They can't be like, you're out of here, bud. It's like, and, and they work quite well with me. They're, they're very supportive too. So it's, it's a dream. I, I work when I can and when I can't, if it is that I have to go do something like come to Florida, I'm able to do so and, and sustain this thing. Do you have any one memorable moment of, of, of an experience you had while doing this? I mean, you, you have to have had some pretty outrageous things, I, but is there one that comes to mind off the bat? Not, not one that I can say. <laughs> Sadly, I would what say. What the heck could have yeah, happened? Yeah, yeah maybe, just, maybe not one that I could say. <laughs> okay, after the show. Sure. Um, so you're doing that uh, part-time. Now, what's the, what's the next chapter? Because, look, I know you. I've known you now for close to four years. Uh, it was never a question of once this chapter ends of you just saying, okay, well, now I'm done the experience you've gone through has driven you into a new path. What are you, what are you up to now? Well, so what's become is I, I got a bit of a niche skill. Like it's, uh, so, you know, we should mention that over the course of that 10 years of that legal battle, simultaneously, 
with the government, I was working in trying to ban the import, export, breeding, and the captivity of whales, dolphins, and porpoises. And we, success, we successfully did so in Canada. So, you know, I've got a unique set of skills, if you will. I know how to sort of uh, destroy facilities, and I certainly am educated in, in, you know, the health and safety of animals, et cetera. And so these days, I, it just came natural to expand into a, uh, start a non-for-profit, an organization to exactly bring a sense of urgency to the situation of, of, of whale, dolphin, and Corpus captivity, if you will, and and that's what brings me to Florida. Frankly, and you know you've got a you've got a lone orca named Lolita, aka Tokite. Tokite is her, her real name. Lolita, the stage name. They oh. named it Lolita. They, a I long say, time I ago. Say her. Uh, it's a, it's a it's a girl. I yeah. Say a woman. Um. It's a it's a female. Yep. Lolita. She's been in Miami for fifty three years. She, so they named her Lolita before. Yeah, that's Lolita her stage name. Any sort of connotation of right, right, and which is actually a kind of. It's it's kind of an issue now because anytime I try to post a hashtag free Lolita on any social medias, I, I can't now. It's actually odd. I, I can't even do that. I'm actually I, at some point I'm gonna have to reach out to Elon and say, listen, there's a there's a situation where there is a Lolita where perhaps this is not you know like like anyways that so well, yeah. Well, let's let's do it right now, Elon. If you're watching, uh, the free Lolita or I love Lolita or I'm saving Lolita. Well, be confused with Lolita Express, but I don't see a way to work those. Well, to the, over the thing of it now is because her original name was Tokite, they've everyone's reverted back to calling her Tokite. So free Toki how spell, works. How do you spell Tokite? T O K I T A E. At least Lolita is easy to remember. Right. To spell, but okay. So um, let's. I mean, we get. I guess back it up a little bit sure. here. The walrus. You know, you have your experience where you see these higher order animals. Huh. They're 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 intelligent animals. They're community animals. They're living in. If it's not squalor, it's imprisonment. And and I'm I'm guilty in that I, I I say I like zoos. We go to them, and every time I go, I feel actually depressed. And we went, I won't name it because it's I'm not trying to badmouth any particular zoo. I'll do it. Well, there there was a black bear, and we're all in there, and I'm like, I said, get the kids away from the bear display because this thing just looks miserable. It looks like I felt like Ace Ventura, like dogs miserable. What are you what are you feeding him? Um you, you put these higher order animals in these small enclosures, paint whatever flipping palm trees on the back you want. I remember once, I think it was San Diego, just an elephant sitting in there just like waving yeah. its head, waving its yeah. trunk. I'm like, this is miserable. Zucosis. Um, and so, it, I mean, you, you have your experience with the walrus and then you, you look around and say, Jesus, this is not just walruses, it's dolphins, it's orcas. I mean, it's, frankly, it's all, it's, I, I don't want to point the finger at all zoos, but generally any captivity of animals is, is a compromise of that animal. Animals are not natural or wild animals even by virtue of being seen and conscious of being seen are no longer anything of what it is that, that they should be representing in the wild because you're a threat to them. You, so that bear, when you say it was miserable, absolutely it was miserable. It's being seen by a bunch of people when it should not be seen by a single solitary set of eyes, you know? So it's every animal that I've ever seen in a zoo is compromised just, just at the base level. But when you see them and you learn that, uh, you know, they're, they're very, uh, very often starved for performance. I mean, let's just talk about the Miami Sea Aquarium. Recently, the USDA uh, revealed that they had uh, they'd starved eleven dolphins to the tune of losing almost a hundred pounds. One of their oldest dolphins, uh, for the purpose of wanting them to perform better, for the jump higher and etc. So, et so that they're more eager to do the trick for the food yeah, because they're yeah. hungry. They put them on drugs. You know, if people knew the truth, and this is and this is what I'm doing now. I'm sort of I'm, I'm taking the veil off of the bullshit. You go to a zoo, and what you're fed is lies and 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 a convenient story, and they always want to say, you know, we. we we uh, help animals in, in, you know, we conserve this, we do this, uh, you know, pillars of conservation. And then you go to the gift shop and you see what the truth of the matter is. Right. So, um, and do you mean that they're, you know, plushies made in China type? <laughs> no, well, you know, I'm just I saying do, do every exit is through like, a gift shop. Just remember that. <laughs> well, no, I, I don't mind the gift shop so much, but then I go and they, and it's a plushie made in China. I was like, okay, well you guys got to make your profit so you can see when I go to the zoos, I, I like to 
rationalize it to myself, even if it's in a quasi dishonest way that if it's, if it's not a conservation, but you know, the animals are rescues, they are injured animals that will die in the wild. Okay. I can tolerate that and even support that. But then, you know, so many of them aren't, and you have these animals, which I don't know how they either got there or stay there. Um, so you're, look, people have been sounding the alarm for a long time, but this is sort of now where you've turned your energies and your expertise of 10 years of litigation, lawfare, and animal welfare. Well, we've set, we, we set a stage in Canada. We, we set a precedence. I mean, the, 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 the work is done. I mean, they, we've set, we can now replicate what we've done in Canada elsewhere. And, and frankly, I'd love to see something similar happen in the state of Florida because, you know, you've got a lot of dolphins, you've got a lot of orc, uh, you got an orc in captivity, you, you know, you've got these animals. And unless something is done immediately, because remember, these animals live a very long time. In the event of, uh, let's for instance, just hypothetically say uh, Florida were to adopt a, a, pro, a pro whale uh, position, say, you know, we're going to end the breeding, import and export. These facilities still have 30 years of having these animals regardless. I mean, we're not, we're not saying you have to release them tomorrow, but you know, we should end the problem and give them the chance. And 30 years is plenty of time for them to change their business model. And let's, let's be honest, SeaWorld already has. I went to visit SeaWorld the other day. I didn't pay. Um, and, you know, to go in and do what we do. And uh, they've gotten away from even advertising the orcas. They've gotten... St- totally away from that sort of toxic branding and yet the, the orcas are still there but they That's just are no people, longer the stars you know well, people need to understand this now okay explain to us the situation with lolita mm. and i'm only saying the name because i can't remember the other name tokite uh, toki I'm, toki I, I, it took me 10 years to remember my wife's family's name i'm gonna have okay. to stick with okay. lolita. That, that's been imprinted now um i have not been to the miami sea aquarium i've seen some aerial footage uh on your tiktok uh Urgencies, or your yep. instagram i should say Urgencies. Yep. So what the heck is going on? There's an orca whale that is not on display that is sitting there quite literally stewing yes. in a in a big pool. How, how yeah, whale big soup. is the enclosure? Well, it, so let's get to exactly that. Okay. So the facility was built before there were standards of care. So before the, the USDA came in with standards of what would be required to, to be able to hold these animals in captivity, but they grandfathered in the facility. Recently, the Miami Sea Aquarium was sold. So there's a new ownership and the city of Miami... Uh, in granting them the business license said, but you can't use this facility. And so the resolve was remove the facility itself from the business license. So technically it doesn't exist. That lifted the USDA protections of Lolita and she's off public display. The stadium is crumbling, forget about it. And that's why the only way to actually see her, and this is how we sort of began to sound the alarm is when we came months ago, we, we flew a helicopter over there. I had to see her with my, I had to see her with my eyes. I thought Marineland was the most atrocious facility I'd ever laid my eyes on. The Miami Sea Aquarium is not even a close slick. That I think they're worse. I, so let's just give, let's give you some background on Lolita. She's been there for 53 years. Her last orca tank mate died in 1980, Hugo. He committed suicide, smashed his head against the wall until he died. There's awful footage of them, her, uh, him actually being craned out of the pool. Um, she's been alone now. So what does that make that? Uh, what's the math? Is that for? It's 40 years. Yeah. Alone. And so you've seen the footage. What does she do all day? She well, stares it, at a wall doing nothing. When you said, um, I saw one of the videos and it didn't look like the, the, the whale was moving, except for the flipper, the tail, you could just see it sort of stabilizing. It looked like greenish uh, soup, like orbits, uh, the old drink. Um, so, but uh, just so everybody appreciates this, it, it was an inhumane practice. So they say, okay, you have this whale, uh, you want the, the, there's a transfer of ownership of the business, whatever. They say, okay, look, we're not going to make you get rid of the whale. It just can't be part of the business. Right. We don't want no advertising, no pictures, nothing. It doesn't exist. Except that the whale is still there, probably getting 
I can swear, shittier treatment than she was getting when she was on display because at least the water had to be clear. I, I guess they would have put a little bit more effort in the more. aesthetics. So sure. This thing is a forgotten relic in an attic, except it's an animal. I mean, I don't know how you qualify the intelligence, but we can't. Walrus, walruses smarter than dogs or stupider than dogs? I should not say stupider. I, Sorry, I li- nice. less intelligent. I listened to a recent, uh, just a portion of it. Uh, Eric Weinstein was on Rogan and he spoke of how we're always trying to study animals and beings from uh, our being human perspective from our being the most intelligent so it's sort of like looking down if you will when the reality is we are incapable of studying up they may very well and probably are significantly more intelligent more socially complex emotional all of that to to the tune that we don't even understand but phil they never made an iphone they can't be they can't be as smart as give them thumbs man (laughs) we've made weapons of war that can kill people in unimaginable ways but that's what orcas are orcas in the ocean are weapons of war they have no predators that i mean it the reality is it's 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 a utopian world for them they are it's play fight breed and that's it and just explore but 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 for humans so i mean look we will not try to put on a hierarchy of 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 intelligence but on you as on par with the dog. Like if, if we look at a dog and say they're smart animals, they have personalities, they're social. Like a walrus is, if not, definitely no no lesser, probably. All of them are significantly more intelligent to the tune where you're baffled by it. You're just like, well, and it, it becomes a little bit, it, it actually starts to change your, it, it changes the way you think about, it, it's what changes your perspective of captivity because suddenly you're like, oh, wait a second, there's a, there's a higher level of consciousness here. There's thought. And this is where like my frame i forgot where i heard it i'm sure it was a rogan podcast it might have been a huberman podcast which i've been getting into heavily now but it's like for a human there is no greater torture than Mm. solitary confinement like you you could you could you could rip fingernails out so long as there's a human there so long as you have some form of interaction no greater punishment no greater torture than being locked in a room alone with your own thoughts with your own solitude and that's what goes on with this whale Every day for 40 years. And now rationalize this. Orcas live in their family pods throughout the entirety of their lives. They have stronger bonds than we can even conceive. And the male orca will live the entirety of its life until its mother ultimately passes away. No greater than a whale's length from that mother. I mean, the the bond, the family bonds are things to the extent that we don't even understand. So when we try to equate what the level of torture is, it might be to a uh, to the nth degree with, the, with orcas. And, and something else we've discussed before, and thank you for reminding me. Um, Marine land. You walk into these facilities, uh, SeaWorld, they play these videos and they say the orca is an amazing animal. It can dive a mile deep. It can swim 50 miles in a day. And then you turn your head to a flipping, complex, intelligent entity in prison. Can't swim more than 20 mm. feet. Can't Squirting water for fun. Squirting water for kicks. It's absurd. You know, they, they, they celebrate, you know, in the wild, these, these, uh, these male orcas have six foot long dorsal fins, dorsal sails. And yet right before you is an entirely a collapsed dorsal fin on, on this orca. And yet they don't even really talk about it. What does that mean? A collapse? Is well, like- imagine, so imagine a fin being much like a, a, a like a big ear. It's, it's largely cartilage. So because if, if in the wild orcas are able to sustain a level of speed and depth, that'll keep the, the water will keep that, that sail nice and erect. And uh, in captivity, the whales are logging at the top, so there's nothing to actually support that. So it's just over time, it just keels over. Always, always. That's interesting. I guess it's sort of like when people lose their teeth, uh, the jaw ends up also just sort of withering away. And so this, by, by lack of what is required for the movement, it just it shrivels up. And, you know, and- if they're swimming fast and they're 30 feet underwater, that thing's going to be straight. Uh, it's, it, I mean, that's its function. It's, 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 you know, it, it helps them swim. It steers. It has a function. In captivity, they're not moving. Okay, so this, this Lolita now is... is Still at the SeaWorld facility, the Miami Miami Sea Aquarium. Aquarium. Sorry, yeah. um, that is in Miami. Mm-hmm. I haven't I haven't 
I don't think I've, I know, I know I haven't been there. I just don't know if I've ever been in the vicinity sitting in this tank, stewing away in solitary confinements. Well, they've got a Pacific white sided dolphin in there, but the reality is there's no bond. It basically is a, a moving inanimate object. There's no, you know, there's nothing there. It's it, frankly, it's, it's torture to, for both animals. Well, it doesn't even make any sense. I didn't realize that adding another higher order doesn't make sense. Okay. They try to rationalize it to, to try to appease people that might criticize the, the solitary confinement and say, well, you know, she's got this. No, she doesn't. It may as well throw basketball in there. Uh, what is going on with her? So, and what are you doing about it? What are you trying to do about it? And what's the s state of affairs? Well, the concern is, um, so to appease the the general public, what became is there's been like this, um, there's been this union of this organization called Friends of Tokite. It's a not-for-profit that was started uh, by a gentleman named Pritam Singh, who's his real name is actually Paula Bombard, but um, he's a real estate developer. Now, he-, so he Stop for one second. How does someone go from the name Paul Labombe? <laughs> I don't know. One is a distinctly Indian name. The other one, Labombard, I don't know, Brazilian, Italian. You know, he tells his own story, so you have to get it from his mouth because no one seems to know exactly uh, what's going on with this okay. particular character. And who is this individual again? Well, he's a he's a he's a quite a wealthy real estate developer in Miami. So it's strange that he would have interest in a whale, right? Well, he Peculiar. might have interest in the stadium itself, but okay. Ding, I, ding, saw, ding. I, I didn't even have anything sinister about that. I was like, okay, it makes sense. They'll buy the business that has the stadium on it. Okay. Well, it seems to be that they're, 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 it's sort of like a controlled opposition, if you will. They're, they've come in and they've said, we're going to take care of Toki. We're going to try to improve her conditions and all this stuff. And it's just a peculiar thing. Shouldn't that be the responsibility of the zoo itself? But, you know, so this organization comes in and now everyone, including much of the activists in, in Miami, are holding hands with the facility itself and this organization, which is claiming to want the best interests of Lolita. They very rarely sort of suggest that they'll release her, but they say it's a possibility. But listen, I've been in, I've been in this game a long time. I, I never trust zoos or especially any spokesperson or people that generally when it comes to organizations especially animal rights organizations it's, it's worth to look a little deeper very often to their their intentions um this is why i'm trying to hoping to start something a little bit more unique a little, a, a little more edgy of course um so bring a sense of urgency to the situation because they're just talking 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 now i've been doing this specifically for miami we've been advocating against and and visiting and, and providing evidence and whatnot for you know just shy of a year now and nothing has happened. There's there, nothing is really progressing, and yet the talk just continues. In fact, there was uh, they hosted what was a conference called a day of listening, where they wanted uh, the public to come in and have a conversation. Of course, they didn't think we were coming when we did. <laughs> they knew it, and so of course we had our confrontations and whatnot. Well, hold on one second. They have a day of discussion. Why would they not specific? I mean, maybe they don't know to specifically reach out to you, but you show up. They should welcome you with open arms and hear what you have to say. <laughs> <It> doesn't happen. <laughs> I know what happened. That's not. What <laughs> I mean, they played their best face, and as as we did, but. Um, that was great. We got an opportunity to test their credibility. And I specifically challenged uh, Paula Bombard to produce the water data because, listen, I've watched compromised water. I know what compromised water looks like. It led me to blow the whistle on Marine Line. It changed the entirety of my life, fighting to keep those animals out of that disgusting cesspool of, of awful. And here's happening before my very eyes. They try to tell me, oh, the water's just like the ocean. It's great. It's actually quite wonderful. And I say, okay, well, if this water's green, then why is that your dolphin pool's blue? Oh, you know, we don't really know about the dolphin pool. Oh, that's interesting. So I, I challenged them. I said, I want to see the water data. Can you produce the actual data? It's a question of credibility. If you're, if I can have, if I am to have any faith in you whatsoever, provide the actual data. And I said, yeah, well, yeah, we could do that. That was three months ago. They've, and we've have, we've heard absolutely nothing. We're still flying over and the water's just as bad as ever. I don't know if there's any regulation here, but, and I presume they're not in business. So any regulation might not apply, but they don't have to by law provide 
Uh, Remember the business light? She doesn't exist. There's no protection for her. The USDA just came out with a report that the dolphins were compromised there. They were starved. I mean, it's all out there. It's available. But nothing on Lolita because there's no more protection because of that business license conflict. Now, I'm just thinking, how hard would it be? We went to an aquarium in Nova Scotia. It was New Brunswick or Nova Scotia where they filter in the ocean water and mm-hmm. filter it out because it's right on the ocean. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a seal in there, and now I'm second-guessing my enjoyment of that uh, display. Um, why can't they do that? I mean, is it, is, it, is it not feasible? Is it too far from the ocean? Well, look, the facility's really old. I, don't, I, I can't say with certainty that I know where the source of the water is, if whether they're using the Biscayne Bay water, which, by the way, is... is kind of notoriously polluted and you know you run into some problems if you get some algae and then mind you they they seem to enjoy the algae and the facility itself they're not doing much about it but um a lot of things can be done to improve the water but what i don't want is to be lied to and played for stupid that might work for people who don't know but i know better so i know the questions to ask and it's it's specifically what we did this is a question of credibility you can't you can't you're not going to bullshit me out of this and they sort they swore they were going to do it and it's not hard to do in fact we even challenged we'll pay and have an independent uh, water analysis go there in fact we probably should go the next time we come maybe we will in fact go in there and bring a water analysis and person you know independent and, and pay them and whatnot and get those figures because it is a question of credibility you want me to believe you prove this one thing that is you know it's tangible evidence-based stuff and if you give me something that's fake and i wind up getting something real afterwards they you know well, you can assume how awful that would be for them the, so the, the only way to do this is each party has their own experts and if the results don't line up well then you have a problem but i, ch- I challenge them to lie to me because then if the truth does eventually come out well then that's a that's a whole other uh, issue for them isn't it let me ask this before i forget now you know they say we're going to release uh, lolita 53 year old orca what's the time for i mean when can a whale or dolphin or walrus uh, as of what point can they no longer be plausibly released into the wild like she has to have a pod she has to remember what it's like to hunt on her own i mean i presume after 50 years in captivity you lose those skills so when you when we speak of release ultimately what we mean is uh releasing them to their natural environment but in a in a controlled space so they will they will always remain under human care but that doesn't mean that you can't explore to, to have them reunite with other whales there's a lot of opportunity in there and you know it's said that uh that uh, Lolita's family is still in the Salish Sea. And so they, you know, there's, there's talk of maybe trying to get to see if they can reunite. It's certainly worth trying, but not at the, the ultimate risk of the, of the whale. So you have, to be do it, you have to do it very responsibly, very expensive. You know, there's a lot of permitting process and all of this, none of which Friends of Tokyo have even explored. I mean, they, they like taking money in and talking, but there's not a lot happening at that end. Uh, so it's a, it's a complicated affair, but it's doable. And frankly, it should be done because what risk do you have of that whale staying there? It's just guaranteed torturous death. What risk do you have of releasing to her sea? If it's guaranteed torturous death with even an iota of hope, then it's better. And, you know, I'm here to offer the perspective of the whale and to and to voice the interests of the whale, whereas too often I'm seeing a disproportionate benefit to the humans who are trying to talk about what's best for them. And the disproportionate benefit being a cynical black-pilled individual, they fundraise, they pay their salaries, they go and mm, travel the world and they, they promote, I mean, you know, they, they promote uh, awareness while... Uh, they have this 53-year-old orca they, sitting in a, in a They, they, okay. There's a project in Canada called the Whale Sanctuary Project. They were said to be building a sanctuary out in Nova Scotia. So, of course, uh, I went to go visit, take a look. Nothing's happening. Absolutely nothing. Aside from them paying themselves in excess of 150,000 U.S. dollars. What in, do you mean nothing happened? Nothing. Ex- explain what the project is supposed to be. At this point, it's a theory. It's a theory. 
So it's just talk. It's just talk. It's just talk. And so again, disproportionately beneficial to the well. And it should be mentioned that Paula Bombard, in fact, teamed up with one of the founders, one of the co-founders of the Whale Sanctuary Project. Odd, because while uh, this gentleman who should be working on the Whale Sanctuary Project and bringing whales in Canada and building this thing is spending more of his time while receiving a full-time salary for, for what he should be doing, focusing on talking about bringing a whale to the other side of the continent. So it is a big conflict. It's very conflicting, but you know, where you scratch where it sniffs, eventually you get to, to the root of, of what's going on. And uh, that's what we're doing. We're just scratching. If you scratch where it's, where it's, I, 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 yeah, I, I, listen. I, I'm going to write that. I'm going to take a mental note of that one. Um, earlier before the, before we started live, you, you mentioned there might be some uh, very easy to understand monetary reasons for which no one wants to set the precedent by actually successfully releasing Smushy or uh, an orca. Elaborate on that because of it's 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 quite interesting. If you can do it once, you can do it more than once. Um, right. So you've got a facility like the Miami Sea Aquarium saying, "Oh, we are fully committed to doing whatever uh, is best for Lolita, including her release." Well, if in fact Lolita were to be successfully re released, would that appease the public, or would they in fact say, "Well, now we want your dolphins, next we want your manatee"? I mean, this is the reality. So the industry itself will talk and appease, but they cannot risk the successful release of one of their animals or a better story ending for them because then there'll be a new precedent set, and now you'll have an entire industry at risk of, of people wanting and demanding for the same for the for the rest of the animals. Is it? I'm asking this even as someone who thinks that they might have once upon a time enjoyed, you know. Uh, appreciated the industry is it not an industry that should just be ended entirely yes of course it's something that should never started uh we know better today you would not see an aquarium in north america starting today if we were starting orca captivity today it would be an uproar to you know we it, it, the world would, would would be flipping on itself but instead we've been um sort of it's been normalized a little bit now granted you know, in, in the case of a place like Miami Sea Aquarium and even uh, Marineland, some of the younger kids don't even know it really exists. It's so abhorrent. And, you know, the, their budget, obviously the advertising budget has been cut uh, and everything else. But kids today hate these places. It doesn't exist. So, so really, the industry is already evolving. It's just a question of, you know, are they willing to let go yet? But old ideas, sometimes the people with them have to die before ch real change happens. And this is what ultimately became of Marineland. You know, the old man dies. His cuckoo ideas are gone, too. This needs to happen a little bit more elsewhere. But, you know, I'm still trying to push the issue to try to change the laws to basically put these people on a, a shelf life. And when you say the old man died, the old man literally died. The owner of, of, yes. of Marineland actually died in the context. His lawyer took over. Uh... He's now the sole controlling mind of the company. Okay. Andrew Burns. <laughs> so the... It... Lawfare, it doesn't just sometimes kill the target. Sometimes it kills the individual engaging in it. And when you talk about legislative change, you actively took took part in legislative change in Canada. Uh, yep. Describe that. I think we touched on it earlier, you but know, describe it. One day I get an interesting uh, message on Facebook from a lawyer in Ottawa. And first, I, of course, my, I start shaking a bit. Like, here we go again. Yeah, again. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, he says, listen, I got, I'd like to have a conversation with something interesting. And he proposes that we start a private member's bill with a uh, with a senator. So it was actually a, a bill that was that was uh, tabled in the Senate, which obviously takes a long time. It's a little longer, more difficult to, to turn into law for to get a Senate uh, for to get ascension, but you know it's actually now the most heavily debated and the longest uh, bill to ever pass. That was that with the longest debate ever, uh, because it was obviously a lot of conflict. We had some, uh, you know, we had some people in there trying to trying to kill the bill. Of course, some lobbyists and everything else. Marineland put their best foot forward to kill it, but um, it, it, what ultimately went through by way of uh, legislation? It's a ban on the import, export, and uh, breeding, and and essentially the captivity of whales. But because Marineland was grandfathered in 
they were able to keep there. So now when that law came to pass, Marineland had an excess of 60 whales. They currently have 38. That's how in three years, how many animals, how many beluga whales died. And just to offer your perspective, we always had five to seven born a season, like beluga whales born. And so that's how we, that's how Marineland managed to keep that, that population sustained. So people always assumed, oh, they've always got 60 whales. Something good. No, every year, five were dying, five were being born, you know? Being born through natural yeah. reproduction? Yeah. And by the way, I, I'm the, uh, I'm going to go back to the chat and locals for a bit to see if there's any specific questions that I may have forgotten. So you get, so basically the industry in theory will die with the next generation of captive orcas. It'll evolve. It'll evolve. Eventually at some point, um, They'll they'll just recognize that it's a it's a liability, and that's our role. That's our job. We have to we have to make it such that you you want to incentivize the facilities to it, that to, to to discover that it's in their best interest to move the animals, and you can only do so by virtually trying to destroy them and that, you know producing the evidence and everything else to, to prove the atrocities that are happening. Uh, and that's what we're doing. We're bringing a sense of urgency to uh, to the animals, and uh, and and I think the best way to do it is give get give the industry a shelf life. And I think it's fair to the industry, frankly. Uh, it gives them you know thirty years of still having whales in captivity to operate. You don't ha- if you uh, listen. We don't eradicate this now, or at least start. We're going to have a centuries long old problem. Frankly, I think we already have a hundred year old problem. That's just the reality. Because by the time these laws and and all these things pass throughout to the the entirety of the world, because as we know in in Russia and China, these are actually these facilities are, are it's a burgeoning industry over there. They're actually building new ones and bringing more animals into captivity. So we got a big problem. But the best place to start is set a precedence. We've done so in Canada. Spread it through North America. Hit Mexico, and let's let's just keep going. You know. Um. What was I going to say? It, it, you were going to say friends don't let friends go to Marineland. Well, that's what, no, I mean, I was literally going to ask you, like, what do you tell people who want to take a stand against this? Is, there is there's no justification for it. Is there is there a an industry of potentially rescuing injured whales and those can be kept in captivity? But then when you create that market, you just open it up to so, injured whales that have been injured for the purposes of being brought in my experience. Just about every time when uh, the U.S. or Canadian government steps in and, and says that the animals are deemed unreleasable, that's a that's a big favor to the industry because I, I personally have seen animals that could have absolutely been re-released. In fact, as we speak, there are two off-public display Pacific Whiteside dolphins that are at the Miami Sea Aquarium, and that's the exact issue. They were deemed unreleasable, so they've got them in this awful cesspool. Again, go to my social media, you'll see the pools. It's called the Pompano's Pools. And uh, you've got you've got a, a Pacific Whiteside mom and her son, and they're just swimming circles. In fact, I'll produce a video later, uh, possibly today or tomorrow. And, uh, you know, it's, it's in one of the most atrocious conditions. All for, uh, but this is your version of a rescue. When you deem these animals unreleasable, what you've done is you've gifted uh, the industry uh, 25 years to 30 years of having a of compromising an animal for profit. I, I just picture someone going out and saying, "Oh, look, there's a there's a there's a, a dolphin with a rope yeah. wrapped around it, and lo and behold, I put that I put that rope in the water 10 minutes ago, and now I'm saving." An animal. Totally conceivable. Um, how did you get your eyes on Lolita as I will, don't say a target, but as a subject? Like, how did you discover her, and and are there other yeah. Similar stories across yes. America that people should know about. So the, basically, the, the, the worst thing you can do to orca or a whale for that matter is put them in isolation. So we've got situations. Kiska at Marineland is a lone surviving orca. And you witness her torture. It's awful. Then we come to learn that there were more. 
Lolita's one. There's another one named uh, Shamank in, uh, in I believe it's Argentina as well. He's a big bull male, beautiful orca. And if you look at him now, entirely compromised. It's, his story is awful. And, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to, in some places, it's very difficult to create an opposition because even the government themselves, sometimes protesting is, uh, is an illegal thing or sometimes well, it could be very conflicting. We're getting to Canada. We're going to get to the broader Canada. Well, that too, bit. man. So you got Kiska in Canada. Mm -hmm. And for anybody who doesn't know, by the way, Kiska, is the tool that you use to decorate an Easter egg. You melt, you melt a little wax in it, and then you put the wax on the really? egg. Yeah, and then you put the ink on the egg, and then you rub off the wax. It's a kiss cup. I know because my mother-in-law How cool is that? I didn't know Easter that. eggs, K-I-S-K-A. Okay, that cool. That might mean other things as well. Uh, Kiska in Canada. Mm -hmm. Lolita in America. Mm -hmm. What's the bull one? Shamank. It's a K-S-H-A-M-E-N-K. In uh, Argentina. Argentina. Yeah. Um, and uh, so you, you say, damn it. To hell, I'm going to come down here and raise hell. I remember the last time we saw each other, we had uh, we had burgers on, I forget what the street was, Atlantic Avenue. Whatever, we had burgers and you said, yeah, I just, I, we just got a helicopter. What do they call it? When you charter a helicopter to fly over the freaking stadium, uh, explain that. I mean, the, the airspace is difficult. You know, you could go over it in theory. You rent a helicopter so you can catch footage mm -hmm. of this whale in captivity, blast it to social media and let the world and Florida and potentially, you know, there's a journalist who covered this, so we'll get to that in a second, but you do that. Um, how do you get onto it, and when are you going to stop? So what becomes is, uh, so, so aquariums and zoos want to control the narrative, but what's become is we've taken it. And so now they're playing catch-up all the time. And the one thing I've always learned is, you know, when they're playing catch-up, you definitely want to be playing relish, and that's what's happening here. So they, they, so we're, we're, we, we got a hold of the microphone, and we've got a big one. So the, the, the goal is make the microphone bigger, bigger, and bigger, spread the word of this thing, let people know, so that and, and, and control the narrative, essentially, because everything is, a, is about narrative control. I mean, that's just the bottom line. So you have to be able to provide some, uh, you know, the opposition. And, and at this point now, we've become... We probably have a louder voice than the Seaquarium themselves. They're always playing catch up with us. Well, I, mean, I, I don't know how many followers Seaquarium has on social media, and it's true. That I, I that think... day of conference, list, day of listening conference was done specifically because of as a PR damage control because of the damage we were causing them. Absolutely. In fact, we've watched every one of their moves. I suspect there'll be one soon as well because probably because of this interview and because of the 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 materials we produced, they'll be coming out with a statement saying that the water parameters are great and her health is stable and she's strong and we love her. We love her. We love her. Right? Well, there's the old lyric of the song, if you love, uh, if you love me, let me go. Yeah. But um, who was the journalist? There was a journalist, a local journalist in Florida who covered the story in some detail. Do you remember the name? Uh, that's Louis. Uh, I don't want to not get his last name. Guys, Louis. Louis Aguilera. He's great. Actually, Louis is great. So we had, you know, we wound up uh, getting a getting a little bit of a friendship uh, together. But we were able to, while we were there, we had a great interview and uh, we got a great rapport and, and we actually were able to provide for them uh, some video footage because they, at the time, they weren't able to get their helicopter. So, hey man, can you give us some footage? Like, we got you. So yeah, we work with governments and I've worked in, in with politicians, lobbyists, this and that. And, you know, we've got, over the last 10 years, I've, I've managed to befriend quite uh, powerful people. I mean, even being on this show is a, is a, is a huge, it's, it's a power move. You don't see the Seaquarium sitting in the seat. And next time I go on Rogan, I assure you, the next time we, we promote a, a demo at the Miami Seaquarium, we'll have 200 people out there. And a demo, you mean a demonstration? Demonstration. And by right? the way, anyone from Seaquarium, I, I mean, I'd love to have them. It's hmm. not, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be rude or disrespectful. I'll give you the contacts. Um, Bring Paula Bombard out here. Have a chat with them. It's a, it's a question of um, if anyone were to see the footage, and and I've seen it. It's on, it's on, it's it's out there to see. This is a, an animal which 
at the very least is as smart as uh, I just have to say smart, but it's an animal that is clearly in distress. There's thoughts. There's she's thinking. Thinking that there's being looking at a at a freaking glass in stewy warm. She very subtly on occasion dips herself down to the bottom of the pool, which is like twenty two feet. So it's it's actually shorter than she is long, uh, to cool off for that one degree difference in that thermocline, and then you see her pop back up. That's the extent of her living right now. So the bottom line is, friends don't let friends go to these these institutions, and they suggest to throw eggs at them. Sure. <laughs> No assault, no violence, people. You're going to get criminal records. Blame it on, blame it on. Hey, I'm, I'm here to take it. Let's go. Uh, have you gone to Argentina to try to? Not yet. You know, we're 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 weighing that. So the other thing is that I'm trying to stress is I'm I want to help bolster other campaigns. So if there's campaigns on the ground and many of them have them, but they're very grassroots and small, we want to sort of come in and help boost, help boost. And that's the the object of trying to, you know, you know, on TikTok we've amassed over a hundred thousand followers this month alone. So you know, we're if we can help an animal or another campaign that's already out there, that's what we want to do. So, so generally we get guidance from activists if that's the case, if they want to work with us. If they don't, well we're coming anyways. So um so we'll see. We'll certainly be going to Argentina in time. Now the first time I met you, you didn't have a crew. You seem to have an actual, I mean, I say a crew, you have a, a, a group that you're working with now. What are you doing? I, I know you're trying to establish a, a 501c3. Yep. We were joking around, uh, be careful how you structure it. We mm -hmm. saw what just happened mm -hmm. with Project Veritas and James O'Keefe. So you are trying to make this a more uh, formalized uh, Absolutely. entity, institution, so that you're mm -hmm. in this for the long haul. And I want everyone wearing urgency shirts. I want stickers on every car. I want everyone to know where to go when they when they need the source for all information to try to to try to wage war against. You know, I I call us we do evil to the evildoers. Now you haven't gone to Argentina, are you? Not. Look, I, I think I know of your composition a little bit. Are you not scared of some governments? I I operate on the basis that. All government is fundamentally thoroughly corrupt, but are you more apprehensive about potentially pissing off Argentinian authorities versus American versus Canadian? Right. So, so yes, I'm always weary, but what's changed today is you can actually have just as impactful a campaign having no boots on the ground whatsoever, you know, via social media and et cetera, and it can actually be more viable than, than standing there with science. So, you know, you can still have a, 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 a a pretty effective assault. So, you know, we, we do whatever we can do that's most effective, but ultimately if we do have to go there, you know, again, it, it, with working with locals, it might be best to have them there. And, you know, I, bottom line is I want to be able to come back to the countries I need to go to. So, you know, I, I have to be conscious of this, um, but yeah, it, it comes with it. Well, it, it is the beautiful thing of not an unregulated internet, but an open and free internet is someone can be down in Argentina, send you a video and you can post it on a TikTok account or your Instagram where millions of people. Will and see this it. is what's become actually, we've got whistleblowers coming out and they're sending us because we'll take it on the chin. We're, we're willing. I mean, this is what's became, this is what's sort of become because in that 10 years, I wasn't the only one doing the damage to Marineland, but I was the one putting my face forward. So if anyone wanted to help, they can stand behind me, give me the info. I'll publish it. And the, the thought is, if you don't want to take the risk, we will, we'll take it for you. And we have to. So that's the idea. So we're, we're actually, um, we're actually encouraging people, you know, if you, if, if it's in, if, if it's in your interest to give us and have evidence pu published of, of animal abuse, we'll do it for you. And, now I'm and we'll protect the whistleblowers. I had nowhere to go when I was a whistleblower. I didn't. I had to learn the hard way that there really wasn't a place. I want to provide a landing for space for them. And I say this tongue-in-cheek almost, but DM via social media, mm -hmm. email address, anyone in particular? Not yet. Okay, cool. <laughs> and um, what are you down here for this time? And what do you have left on the menu before you head back to what has been called Kanadistan? And we're going to get to that <laughs> after this question. But what do you have left for this trip? What's the purpose and what's your next plan? This trip... Uh, we may very well go back and get some more evidence today, but then uh, basically we're wrapping it up. We're leaving tomorrow, so we'll be heading back to we'll be heading to Cocoa Beach tonight, and then just walking up and down the beach like beach bums, maybe a beer in hand, celebrate good work, you know, something. But yeah, we'll be winding this one down now. What uh, what have you 
accomplished? What have you gotten this this trip around? Evidence, great videos. I mean, we produced one yes, uh, yesterday. We'll do another today. We've got. Uh, uh, stay tuned, is what I always say. You know, to, uh, we're here to to keep things current. We're going to be because these facilities won't. We will. All right, and then you're going back to you're going back to Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, your crew is from you know everywhere a little bit. Uh, what's what's going on in Canada? What's it like now being in Canada? <sighs> Did that summarize it? <laughs> Say, Can we leave it at that? Can I just make a face and a sound? It is, um, it's tense, man. It's tense. Like, I start to wonder, whereas I might have been uh, regarded as someone that Canada was celebrating for a while, it's now very quickly become like that protesting is bad. Like, in that, And suddenly am I at the risk of getting into bigger trouble? I'll tell you something. That whole truckers uh, uh, rally and everything that, that, that you were at, you know, I was very tempted. We were communicating, communicating at the time. I was I was coming and, and dude, I, had, I, was, I, have, I was full of like inspiration, let's say, to go. I wonder just how much trouble I would have suddenly found myself in. You know, I, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have occurred to me the depth of which that uh, the government was going to come after these protests and and the the way that they would go about it. And to think that if I were there and the way that I generally respond to things, I, I, I could have found myself in a lot of trouble. So these days it's weird. You walk on eggshells in a space where you're supposed to, in the place that that declares itself the freest place. You know, like it's it's uh, it's conflicting. Yeah, I mean everybody watching now knows what happened. Trudeau violently suppressed a peaceful protest, a protest to affect uh, government change, policy change, froze the bank accounts, and you froze the bank accounts, ratified, exonerated by Commissioner Rouleau, who is not related to Pierre Rouleau, who is Justin Trudeau's aunt's brother, um, politically connected. And you look at this machine and you say this machine was set up to uh, reward government, empower government, empower Big business. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Immunize big business. You imagine in the context of this protest, they authorize banks to freeze bank accounts and immunize them to do it. And you're sitting here saying, well, next time I go protest out outside of Marineland, um, am I going to get arrested? Am I going to have my bank accounts frozen? Am I going to be... Look, let's be honest. The government acted like Marineland did. Marineland sued me, basically tried to make me broke. They tried to ruin my life for for being there and, and vocalizing my my opposition to, to, to be it policy, whatever else. I was watching the government act like Marineland, and it was infuriating me. And to see them calling the, everyone racists and, and extremists and that—it's like my uncle was there, and my uncle's a great dude. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I, I have friends and family. There's a, that was a beautiful protest. I, what I was seeing there was was actually quite beautiful. I, I was proud. I, frankly, I like the branding. I like the way Canada was rebranded. I like the flags flying in Canada or in the U.S. I like that the U.S. was like Canada's doing it, baby. You know, we had the, basically. I, I thought at the time it was empowering. It felt as though. The world was almost leaning on the truckers to get something done, you know? You know what? I'm not going to put anyone on blast by name, but uh, yes, the world rallied behind Canada. Uh, people were taking an interest in the protest. Uh, you know, American The entities, flag had a new meaning. And everyone's like, Canada's getting it done. And now mm. Canada has had the government boot on their throat and has been asphyxiated. And no one's covering the fact that it has the ex- asphyxiation has been ratified. And I think that that is bigger news than the protest itself. The protest invigorated the world. And now the world doesn't even some people in the states don't even know that the commissioner Rouleau at the six week hearing ratified, exonerated Trudeau and said he met the threshold to invoke the Emergencies Act. That should be raising hell everywhere. And I said, I'm going to try to make a market for that rage because there should be rage about what happened. And I don't even think a lot of people who covered the protest know that it went out with a uh, sad, sad cry of of freedom dying in darkness. How long did they... Everybody everybody who was interested in it, when you were interested in the protest and it was invigorating the world, world, Canada was getting it done, Trudeau got it done, and people should know what just happened up there, and it doesn't stop once it gets its tentacles into the West. 
What 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 starts north trickles south. How long did they keep Tamara Leach in uh, prison for? She was in prison in jail for an aggregate fifty six days. I think two months on nonviolent mischief charges was the first couple of weeks. Says it all. And then on alleged breach of her bail conditions, which were not to post to social media because a third party posted a picture of Tamara Leach on social media and she attended. It's called having a boot on your neck. Hey, no, and she attended the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms Gala Award, which she was if not explicitly, tacitly authorized to attend. Um, but she sat at a table with someone who she wasn't supposed to have communications with. It's not a Canada that I that I thought I grew up in. She was in jail for two weeks. I've just got to give the proper credit to Pat King, was in jail for, I think, close to five months. Uh, Jeremy McKenzie. These are serious sentences. It, what, would, what would be sentences. required for that level of sentence is what I'm saying. What would be required to actually get a sentence of that sort? I know some great crimes that, that don't get that. Nonviolent mischief charges. It says uh, it all. And Pat King... Uh, was he was in jail for five months. Uh, Jeremy McKenzie went, you know, solitary for he was he was accused of more serious charges not related to the protest. Whereas that dude who ran over people at the protest in Winnipeg out on bail, he posted a quarter of a million dollars bail out violent attack. It's it's a world gone backwards, but it's like it's deliberately done to to scare people, suppress people. And, and it's why you're finding now people are making the world a lot smaller in Canada. What's happening is a little more isolation from people. Everyone's sort of like making things smaller because it's almost as if no one wants to risk getting, you know, getting on the radar. I, I, I publicly announced that I had donated to the convoy. I donated to the give to the go fund me. And then when they shut that down and reimbursed it, well, you're, you're one of those radical uh, would, overseas uh, foreign uh, my, my uh, funders. My grandmother was, you know, I, I don't, I, it's either Russia or Ukraine. My, my family is, is from a, a country that changed hands. But, oh, yeah, no, there was some foreign influence, a uh, second generation Canadian. But, uh, no, I, I gave to the GoFundMe. When they shut it down and refunded me, I gave 10 times more to the Give, Send, Go. I was, I publicly announced it before they doxed everybody. And I got doxed on that list. I was afraid they were going to. That was CBC that doxed you? It was. I'm not even mentioning the name of the individual who docks. Because the, the, the government works for the CBC now. Weren't they, remember they were taking all their evidence for, from, <laughs> from journalism? They, they, they're a branch of the government. It's, it's the definition of fascism. The marriage between government, media, and, and, and big tech, big corporations. What's the latest coming out of Canada? CTV News posted an article yesterday, not enough data to justify, uh, to support annual boosters. And I'm like, you effing idiots. You just spent the last year promoting it, boosters. I said... Uh, what's I mean, I don't want to black pill you and I don't want to depress you. Uh, when you go back from Florida, you cross the border, you sit down there, you go through customs. How does it feel to go back into the country? Do you, do you have the slightest bit of optimism for the long term prospects of Canada? I want to move to Florida. <laughs> I won't lie. Like, so I go home. I try to make as much money as I can to come back. So my focus right now is is on my work, and because I'm just based in Canada and financially that ain't going to change for a long time, this is just what it is. Uh, keep my nose clean as best I can while also simultaneously getting it dirty. I'll probably wind up getting in trouble one day. I wonder if this continues. But, you know, my long hope is that that ultimately this thing changes. The pendulum's always swing and briefly always too far. So it'll come back. I don't know when, but, uh, you know, you hope. Yeah, well, the question is, it's going to come back under, jeez, I, you know, not that we want to discuss the politics, but when's it, the pendulum's going to swing back. It requires a momentum from the other side. And now the, the momentum that was Pierre Poilievre looks like he's just joined the momentum of Justin Trudeau. For everybody who doesn't know, um, Pierre Poilievre, the conservative leader, was elected to, or he was, you know, a, a replaced Aaron O'Toole. Uh, and he talked a good game, supported the protest when it was politically popular. He got me. So, yep. Yeah, no, for, he was for, out there having breakfast with the organizers. F freedom, 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 inspiring the world. 
Commissioner Rouleau comes out, exonerates Justin Trudeau. Pierre Poilievre backtracks and says, I was supporting the protesters because they were fighting just inflation. And I'm like, that was two weeks ago on Friday. Uh, you know who Christine Anderson is? Yes. Okay. Well, for those who don't know, Christine Anderson, a European MP. I had her on the channel for a brief 30-minute interview. Uh, you know, I won't say she's a nationalist. I think a populist wants to support a country's autonomy, a country's identity. Which, by the way, used to be a very celebrated thing for countries. Patriotism yep. used to not be a four-letter word, but now they've substituted patriotism with fascism. Or, no, sorry, not fascism. A nationalism, which has the Nazi. Mm -hmm. so, she, so she comes to Canada because she was you know, vocally criticizing Trudeau abroad, humiliating him in front of the European Parliament. She comes to Canada. And uh, the Canadian media dubs her as a racist extremist. And Pierre Poilievre Convenient. You know, has says vile, hateful things she's ever said. She should never have come to Canada. Which I see, you know, telling a foreigner to go home is not the best look for anybody. Um, yeah. where, where do you go politically? I mean, uh, I, I, you know, I don't even want to ask you that. I, it's never fair to ask someone who they vote for. But what do you, I mean, what are you going to do? <laughs> it's an impossible. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'm going to, I'll do my best to participate in the process as best I can when it does. But what I imagine whatever options I have are ultimately still not going to be uh, the answers. For some time, I'm going to focus on my work, basically. Again, you're, I'm going to just make my world smaller. You're in, I don't want to ask specifically where you live, but you're in the Ontario region? I'm in Niagara Falls. Niagara Falls. So that would be, um, politically speaking, I sort of, uh, almost like my riding in Westmount where I ran for office, a liberal. Uh, do you not, I mean, I, I don't even want to ask the question to put the juju out in the universe. You work for the government. Mm -hmm. Are you unionized? Yep. Okay, so they can't... Uh, no, it's, um, yeah, we're unionized quite powerfully. It's okay. good Good news. Um, has Aaron, Have there been any political reprisals? Uh, well, I should mention there is a there, there was a lot of uh, posties that ultimately had to lose their job. And there's, a, you know, there's a group out there and they're sort of trying to fight to, you know, get uh, whatever relief they're looking for. I had, I had some conversations with them, but it's not something I necessarily want to weigh in. I'm, I'm going to lean on this job to, as it best serves me. But uh, there's, there's a fight taking place there, too. Um, I'm going to get to something that I know we discussed earlier that I want to, it was the post and ghost advice from mm, Joe Rogan, mm. but let me before get there. Are you going to go back on Joe and talk about, uh, well, are you going to go back on Rogan after mm -hmm. March 21st and see last conversation I had with him? He, I, I, he said, get, get once the walrus has moved, come see me. So that's just one, essentially one what we're waiting. Yeah. Well, ultimately whatever becomes is, is when I'll go back, but that's the plan. Yeah. And as for the conversation, you know, Joe and I, uh, you know, I've been lucky to, to become friends with Joe. We've gone to dinner a few times and. And so we're having dinner and, uh, you know, I'm lamenting about, <laughs> I, I, I read the comments and he says to me, listen, post and ghost, post and ghost. And okay. Right. So dinner's over. And at the time, I think he was actually going to take a look to, he was going to look at some comedy clubs at the time. He only just recently opened it up. I cannot wait to go see that place. But, uh, nonetheless, uh, so I'm on the comments. It's like 1.00 AM. I'm going like this and I get a text from Joe. Stop commenting. <laughs> I love you, Joe, man. Thank you, sir. I put the phone down. Okay, thank you, dude. Post and ghost means you post and then you don't go read the comments where people berate you and, you know, say terrible things about you because it causes distress. I mean, you, 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 I imagine it's 99% uh, supportive or do people accuse you of being controlled? Oh, um, it's because I am. You know, they deem me an activist, an animal rights activist, if you would give me that name. But, you know, I, I eat a lot of meat. I, I go fishing. So I'm not in a perfect mold to, to a lot. So I'm, I'm a very controversial figure in those areas. But to be honest, 
I'm not here to play with the echo chamber anymore. I'm looking to break out. I mean, look, we had safe smooshy signs on the side of trucks up in up in the Mac, you know, working on the oil rigs. I got guys with hard hats with safe smooshy. I mean, we got hunters advocating for the release of orcas and stuff. And this is the way that's how you that's how you win a fight. You've got to you got to break out of the uh, the echo chamber. So the echo chambers don't like me. You know, the, uh, some sides don't like me, but largely um, the, it, it all comes back to the work and it's supportive. First of all, I mean, I, I am not one to post and ghost. I'm one to post, no, neither, read, even obsess, yet. pull my hair out, get very upset. I mean, get upset. Let it disturb you. Let it ruin your morning. <laughs> Partially because like the interaction is is on the one hand part of what we want, what we like. Also, you know, if you get insulted by critique, it's either because it's partially true you feel it to be true or the totally useless getting upset it's just stupid talk that only i like to get upset at people that have sacrificed exactly nothing in life okay i'm literally a walking sacrifice for this thing and i'm being criticized by people who have i mean i don't know i don't know how they are and who's who, which parent they're living with but like i just don't need to hear it from them so I'm, I'm lucky and blessed in life that i've partnered with uh you know her name is marketa shusterova wonderful uh, photographer marketa marketa shusterova yes and so she's like my better half and all this so she's the she's the post and ghost tap on my shoulder every day and 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 delete that comment phil <laughs> so i'm lucky that i, I sort of I, again I, i've we're, we're i don't want to say we're a perfect circle but where where we're jagged someone comes in and fills the gaps and we, you know, we're really, we've got a well-rounded thing going. So it's best. I'm always best managed. And so I've got the world's best manager right now. So it's, we're in good shape. I, I have a theory, by the way, this is one of my operating theories, which allows me to not disregard critique, but I genuinely believe there are people who are on the other side, deliberately going into the post negative comments to distract you, to take you away from your objective, to get this your is... eyes. And so if you have a buffer, it will be more productive, but you're still going to go read the comments. You know who you are. You know, you're wasting energy, essentially, and that energy should be conserved and used to, for better use. And if you, you know, you, you, you can't be effective if your net energy is depleted. So, you know, it is about focus and I got to keep it. But I'm like you, man. I can't stay out of those comments. And, uh, and, and I'm, I'm particularly vulgar. <laughs> I, I swore yesterday at CTV, uh, I called the methane criminals because the, in response to that, not enough data on the boosters, which we've been posting, which we've been doing pressuring you and and supporting some people got four and five boosts at this point and i and i've known people who have had serious problems after whatever and if there's any blood on anybody's hands so yes i lost my temper ctv i'm not sorry <laughs> wonderful um but interesting we talked about this last time the dynamic of how i don't know if you hunt but i think you're not averse to hunting i know you eat meat because i think mm -hmm. we were having a burger the last time mm -hmm. um i don't think these things are mutually incompatible what you're doing agreed with uh that but i don't want to put the words in your mouth someone says hypocrite you want to save smooshy but you want to go eat bambi yeah uh how do you reconcile that yeah watch me watch me be a hypocrite fine <laughs> you know listen there's hypocrisy and everything I don't, I don't give a shit watch my work enjoy what i give them is the i give them the popcorn uh emoji or a bird or something and it's just like yeah well, I, let, I say enjoy the show let me steal man the response the response is that first of all eating for sustenance i i, I had this argument about um when did i just talk about this last I studied philosophy. Andrea Dworkin, uh, one of these philosophers, philosophers who said the act of sex is an act. The act of you know consensual heterosexual natural sex is an act of male domination over women. I said there can't be morality in that which is fundamentally natural. Eating meat, we're designed to eat meat. The idea of you know killing an animal as quickly and painlessly as possible, consuming its flesh for the sustenance that is needed, it's not immoral. It's natural. Uh, if you were to breed those deer or those pigs in, in some horrible captivity, that becomes immoral. 
Uh, you know, well, any, when it comes to population and whatnot, nature has its way of, of fixing it anyways. And, and in many ways, it's it's pretty awful. I mean, yeah. you can watch deer. I mean, overpopulated deer, the situation that and, and, you know, they wind up in the streets and stuff as well. Like It becomes a real problem. New Jersey, like the, the black bear infestation because they stopped the hunt. They stopped the color of certain animals and it leads to other problems. Now, granted, I, I, I've always found that more problems come when when humans try to manage things too much. And wildlife management seems to be one that's often too like very juggled. So I don't want to be the spokesperson for, you know, culling herds or hunting and, and this and that. But um, yeah, the, listen, hunters themselves in many ways are pr providing the funding to keep these populations healthy. And, and it's in their interest. I, I don't, the one thing I don't do is I don't try to, and, and very often I do the same with even visitors to these parks. You don't want to demonize them necessarily for it because it could be a question of ignorance, just outright. So you want to provide them with the best education possible. And thereafter, if they continue to do something stupid, then you get to call them stupid. But uh, I try to exercise patience generally when speaking. These things. And I don't want to get very often in debate with, especially with vegans and stuff, because that's why I don't care to get into the, the, the explaining and rationalizing because very often you, you could be debating against someone that they could be uttering absolute bullshit. You just don't know and i could be doing the same and then where are we actually getting so i don't delve into it i just put the popcorn emblem and watch me do it just watch me do it i see my my wife has she's a neuroscientist there is just scientific benefit to eating meat mm -hmm. do it ethically it's why we have big brains today well it's, it's also it, there's a way to do it ethically without taking pleasure in the death of the animal they say hunters enjoy that i think hunter i think everybody should have to hunt their own meat if you want to eat meat you should have to hunt i mean it. it's fair and uh, so no no judgment on my behalf. I, I it might make it. a lot less meat eaters, frankly. Uh, I mean, if it, it just would probably. Okay. I don't know that I could take the shot. I mean, probably. I mean, okay, let's say definitely, definitely I could, uh, but I don't want to. My my issue with taking the shot would be missing it. Yeah, all of that. Yes, and then having like, all of that. I want to yes. make sure that it's um, okay. Now, what else was there? Any well, there was something else that I had to ask you. I'm going to forget what it was. Um, Phil, okay. Remind me, was there anything else that you want to absolutely specifically mention before I forget? Well, I, I, I'd like to give a shout out to a, a situation that just recently occurred uh, that you know a few people might know. But, you know, there's an organization out there called Sea Shepherd and its founder, Paul, uh, 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 hey, why am I forgetting his name? Jesus, Paul Watson. <laughs> it's absurd. I, that's, I, that's, I, that's a brain glitch and nothing I more. I remember but, the name because it's not Paul Joseph Watson, right. everybody. It's another Paul Watson. Well, Paul Watson got ousted. He, this is, he is the founder. He actually physically made the... the, the you know, he had a hand in making his own logo and all this. All of a sudden, the same guy, this Paul Bombard, who's got interest in the Miami Sea Aquarium and pretending to be saving Toki, he has taken over. It was a very strategic, slow process, but he basically deceived uh, Paul and ousted him from his own organization, is now suing him using the very funds from the organization that he's stolen from, using donors' funds. So people who had, who had, who had, who were supporting Paul, that money is now actually going to sue Paul to keep him from being able to speak of the of uh, of Sea Shepherd, to keep him from using the and wearing the logo that he himself designed and, and basically made famous. And, and, you know, I mean, he's the reason that the thing is successful. And there's this ousting. So, you know, we talk about 501c3s and some of the issues that come. And this is where this is what the thing I'm having to come to learn eventually as I want to develop this thing. But, you know, here's an example of what can become when you get too big. But you know, I just want to stress that this Paula Bombard, a.k.a. Pritam Singh, it's there, there's, there are environmentalists there and there are people who buy their way into talking about being environmentalists and this is a man who speaks with his money not his actions well there there is um by the way that was the one thing we discussed earlier because that had started with the discussion about uh project veritas which you're following as well and we've talked about it at length on the channel thing you need to grow in order to maximize uh efficiency maximize reach but then sometimes you grow too big 
you lose control. You the can't board gets everyone. too big, yeah, and there's always conflict in the back. There's always something going on somewhere. You, if you're if you're always having to look over your shoulder, you've already gotten too big. Well, there's, there's and there's drama on the one hand, but then there's overt corruption. Like anywhere there's opportunity, just, it, there's going to be predators. Predators come in and prey. Mm -hmm. That's what they do. There's one more thing I do want to. I do want well, to touch on. on. Okay. On the, on the uh, shepherd. Um, sea shepherd. Sea shepherd. And that yeah. was the actual, uh, that was the whale. The yeah, whale, whale wars. Boat. Yep. Whale wars. They would go there and, 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 and prevent. They got these. the boats. They're on the seas. They're, they're the one basically policing the illegal fishing, whereas no other government is. So they're doing, they're, they're doing the work. They're the, they're the heroes of the sea out there. Right. I hope no one freezes their bank accounts for. Um, well, they, essentially what Paula Bombard did is, is that's precisely what he did. He took the monies and now he's melting down the boats. He doesn't want nothing to do with this. So he's changing the entirety of the organization. So the good news is Paul has started a new one. So look out for the new Paul Watson Foundation. Uh, but what I did want to touch on, and this is a, this is a, a generally it's a plea, um, you know, when it comes to animal rights issues and, and laws, generally it's a liberal platform that seems to be pro-animal. But I do get a strong sense that a lot of people on the Republican side feel equally strong for such an issue like like whale captivity. And I really believe that if if the, if a Republican if the Republican Party were to were to sort of endorse an, a pro-animal uh, uh, a, a policy in a position. Um, I really think that they, that they can do a lot of good work, right? And and I do believe that that's just something that I don't. I believe the right doesn't touch on enough. And I just I would like to see that maybe discussed a little bit more on that side. Now that you say it out loud, I'm seeing branding, and I'm not saying this to be glib or funny at all. But the pro life movement of the right, uh, it's it's not it's only different in degree mm -hmm. of not supporting captivity. You're not wrong of animals. It's precisely it's a form of. I, I'm not going to use any hyperbolic comparisons. Mm. It's 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 a it's a form of torture. It's a form of isolation. It's a form of of ending a life. It's inexcusable. Um, but funny thing you mentioned about um, what Paula Bombard or what's the first name? Pridham. Pridham Singh. Singh. Okay, so it's, it's, he changed his name. I, um, I, I, but, I but don't know how or why. What what he's done with the Sea Shepherd Institution, you know, melted down into a, a a useless entity. I'm I'm my theory. That's exactly what the board of directors in Project Veritas decided they're going to do with Project Veritas. Maybe he pissed off, uh, you know, the wrong sure. Pfizer, the, the wrong company the one time. Or the, the good people do. Let's be honest. The good people do. If you're not, if you're not, if you're not ruffling feathers and you're not going to be effective in your work anyways. And so sure, he's a controversial figure, but good. That's how you get shit done. I um, I never found him controversial. I mean, I know Wikipedia describes him as. Oh, I'm not talking about uh, James. I'm, I'm actually oh, talking, talking about, about Paul. Yeah. yeah well, but. there I know uh, they were engaging in behavior, in, in activity that was overtly, objectively dangerous. It's the nature of what they were doing. Um you know, it's not a situation I would ever find myself in on one end or the other because I'm not going to be on a whaling boat and I'm a neurotic person who has a morbid fear of death. I ain't going to be on the Sea Shepherd either. It'd be fun though, wouldn't it? Could be interesting. I don't know, man. Don't be, I, you want to go? Let's I, do it. What do you no, think? No, no, it's, I, I, I'll go on it to go fishing. To, okay. To <laughs> well, eat the fish that we That might catch. be a little conflicting, just um, saying. But <laughs> I, they, I, I think they run hand in hand. They're, they're just, but uh, no, I think that's exactly what they're trying to do with Project Veritas. Mm. Just. It eradicate the entity of any of any use, any purpose, because it, it went one step too far by pissing off one powerful person. Yeah, you got too many. many too many hands involved. Um, okay. Watch the walrus and the whistleblower. Follow me on the social medias. Thank you, Viva Frey. Thanks. <laughs> hold on. Before we do this, I'm just going to at least do we end it? Uh, can we end it on Rumble? And we're going to go to locals for a few minutes. Okay, we're going to end this on Rumble. Go to locals, vivabarnslaw.locals.com. Dude, I'm getting you started on locals as well. Yes, let's go. We, I need all the advice I can. I need, listen, you, TikTok is good for reaching the masses that you would otherwise never reach. Uh, locals is good for building. <laughs>